This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Who wants to walk around with dingy, stained teeth? You know I drink a lot of tea, and if you're like me, you don't want anyone to know that. And if you've never really whitened your teeth before, you should try Power Swabs. They're clinically proven to whiten an average of two shades in the first five minutes. We're talking the first five minutes. In the holidays around the corner, you want the whitest, brightest, most sparkling teeth you could possibly have. And Power Swabs will never leave your teeth or gums sore or sensitive like those other whitening treatments. And it's totally safe and effective on all dental work. So if you're not happy, Power Swabs are backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. You need to try Power Swabs, and you will not believe how much whiter your teeth will be in just five minutes. I got a great deal for you. Go to PowerSwabs.com. Use my code KAREN, 40% off, an additional $10 off, plus a free quick stick. Yep, that's right, 40% off, plus $10 off, plus a free quick stick, or you can call them, 800-668-1749. Use my code KAREN. Karen, and that's powerswabs.com code Karen or 800-668-1749. My code is Karen. Go to powerswabs.com today. All right, Byron Nelly. All right, I see you. I see you. I see you. know, you. just to finish that, I wanted to, because I want the, 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 your good listeners out there to really hear that. You know, it was really tough for me on that advance, but then it, when it didn't come through. And the $400,000 that they lied about. Yes, and I that, wasn't about to call all those television stations and say, look, Paramount was right. That studio was right. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to come through. And so I went and produced the show anyway. And I I didn't have two nickels to rub together. And so there were days I did not eat. There were days they turned my phone off and I was calling people from a pay phone. This is way before mobile phones. And there were, you know, I I stopped paying my mortgage. Uh, So wait, back back up. Because you're like 20. Yeah, I'm like uh, 93. I'm like, no, I'm like 32. Okay, years. so you're a grown man. Yeah, at this I'm, point. Yeah, okay. I'm 93, 92. And 90. you had purchased a home. Yeah, I had a condo. And, you know, I just wasn't paying my mortgage. And uh, and I had the nice, nicest lady. I think it was Bank of America. And she said, honey, your, your file keeps coming on my desk. What's going on? And I, you know, I always believe just tell it, tell the truth, tell it all, tell it early. Don't be embarrassed. Just be honest. And I said, well, I'm trying to produce a television show. And uh, I'm trying to pay the cameraman and trying to pay the sound man. I'm trying to pay for the satellite and the tape and the editors. And so I'm I'm floating. I'm not paying my mortgage. And she said, oh, she goes, you know what? I've heard a lot of stories. She goes, I've never heard one like that. She goes, you're telling me the truth. I said, absolutely. And she said, I tell you what. She says, here's what you do. She said, you're good with me up to day 89. Day 89, after day 89, day 90. It goes to another lady who sits next to me, Agnes. And she said, you don't want your file to get on Agnes's desk because she's not as nice as me. And it gets really bad. And I said, okay. And I put it on my calendar. (laughs) And then I would run to the bank and pay my mortgage on the 89th day. And in between, I would go and I would pay for the tape and pay for the satellite. And that's how I got the show up and running. And I did that for a number of years, a number of years. And finally... I went and sat down with all the heads of the movie studios. And I said, look, I'm interviewing your movie stars. I'm having on your movie stars, and I'm showing your clips and saying, go see your movies for an hour. And I'm having on about seven of them a week. I said, you guys are spending $200 million to $600 million a year each advertising mm. your movies. Why don't you advertise with me 
so I can be there to support you because I'm basically a one hour commercial saying, go see your movies. And I pretty much signed up all the movie studios. And that's how I was able to, you know, eat regularly, keep my phone on and keep my home out of foreclosure. And my home probably went out into in and out of foreclosure 14 times over a five year period or something. It was ridiculous. It was insane. My credit, you talk, I'm listening to you talk about credit. I had the worst credit ever. I mean, I went to go buy a car and the guy ran my credit and it wouldn't stop printing out of the machine. <laughs> and it was just like, it just kept printing and the guys just started laughing. And he's like, this is the worst credit in the history of credit. And, you know, finally I just, I turned the corner and I just sat with all the industries and I went and I said, I'm going to sit with the soft drink companies now. Cause I had an epiphany, which was, it's not about me. It's about you. What's my value at? And I went and sat with the soft drink companies and said, here's what I'm going to do for you. Then I went and sat with the automotive industry, all the car companies. And I said, here's what I'm going to do for you. Then I went and sat with the pharmaceutical companies and the packaged goods companies. And I literally went and visited all the TV stations physically and said, I'm here. And I sat with all of the ad agencies and all of the advertisers and the board of directors and the chief marketing officers. And I said, I'm here to do to, to do good business with you, to bring a value to you. I said, price will not be the reason we don't do business. So right now you can call ABC or NBC or CBS and you could say, I'm going to pay them $50,000 to reach a million people, 50,000 bucks to reach a million people. You tell me what you want to pay me and I'll accept the number. Right? I say to them, the reason we won't do business, it won't be because of price. It'll be because you've decided not to do business with me. So you need to decide that I'm worth doing business with and I'll let you pick the price. Price won't be the reason. So boom, I went to a guy and I- How did you know to do this, Byron Allen? You know, I had a good friend named Roger King. He's, he started King- That's King World. King that's, World. That's Oprah now. Yeah, and he yeah. sold Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, and Oprah. And he said to me, one day we were at dinner, one night we were at dinner, he said, Byron, you have to- He said, how much money am I getting for Oprah in New York? And I say- uh, 80,000 a week. And he hit me in my arm. He goes, 300,000 a week. Mm. <laughs> I go, how much am I getting in LA? And I say, 60,000 a week. Another 300, right? And then he, right? then it was like, I'm getting a million dollars a week out of LA, New York, and Chicago. He goes, Byron, always know the numbers. Mm. And if you don't, call me, I'll tell you. Right? And How'd so, you, you know. For, wait, time, back up, back up, because you just skipped over. Roger King. Yes. <laughs> like you. Well, I, well, how I met, did you become friends with Roger King? Like, how did you. How did I become friends yeah. with Roger? You know, I met Roger at the TV convention, Natsby. So I would go, I, would, I met Al Massini, I met Roger King, I met Dick Roberts. And Roger was just, you know, I, there were a lot of good guys in my, in my life. And, and Roger was one of those really amazing guys. You have Oprah Winfrey because of Roger. He built the most successful syndication company out there. He had Will Fortune, Jeopardy, Oprah, God bless her soul. His company was debt-free with a billion dollars in cash mm. and two and a half billion in receivables. And he, and the reason I knew that, because he made sure I knew that. He was like, hey, Byron, let me tell you about my balance sheet. No debt, billion in the cash, and I got two and a half billion in receivables, and before this is over, I'm gonna collect another 10 billion. Hey, let's go get something to eat, right? That's how he started his, his launch, right? So one day he called me up, he said, listen, I want you to come to New York and pitch me. I said, sure. And I go to New York and I pitch him. And uh, he's sitting there and I'm pitching him, and all of a sudden, I stopped my pitch, I finished. Then he goes, wow. He says, wow. He goes, I heard you were a great salesman. Hmm. He said, I heard from a lot of guys around here you were really a great salesman. He says, but let me tell you something. He goes, you're not the greatest salesman to ever live. Like that. He just says that, right? He goes, let me tell you. He goes, 
I'll tell you who the greatest salesman to ever live. And I'm thinking he's going to say him, right? He goes, my daddy. He says, my dad, he inherited the company from his daddy, the mm -hmm. Little Rascals. He said, my daddy. Well, his father did the Little Rascals. That's mm -hmm. right. His father, his father syndicated the Little Rascals. The Little Rascals. The Little Rascals. Spanky and them. <laughs> Alfalfa. Our gang, right? He said, my dad was the greatest salesman ever. And he says, my dad loved great salesmen. And he said, my daddy would have loved you. And he opened his drawer and he pulled out a tie and he said, this tie belonged to my daddy. And he said, my daddy would really, he would have, he would, here, wear this tie. Please wear this tie because my daddy would have given you a tie. Whenever mm -hmm. he liked a salesman, he said, here's my tie, right? And he was really sweet. And I was touched that he just talked to me. He goes, but he said, listen, uh, I want to talk to you about something else too. And I go, okay, all right? He says, uh, you've been calling all these TV stations from your dining room table. <laughs> And, Did he know about the underwear? Yeah, he knew. <laughs> Wearing and, out the, the holes and, and, in the chair. And everything. He goes, you've been sitting there. He goes, he goes, uh, he goes I heard about that because I play golf with all these guys. Oh, and he says, they're, they're telling me how you keep calling them and you won't stop calling them. And, and he says, I'm playing golf with them and they're laughing and joking about how much you call them. And he said, and some of them, a number of them said they're not going to do business with you because you're black. Hmm. And he said, I don't like that. He goes, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me. He goes, my mother and father raised me better than that. He goes, I don't even know why they feel like they could say that to me. So he said, listen up. Everybody who owns and operates a television station in America that's worth anything is going to be at my beach house this summer, this, uh, this weekend. And he goes, it's my 60th birthday or whatever it was. And he said, I hired Elton John the Four Tops, and Paul Anka to perform, and the Sarducci brothers are going to do a half-hour fireworks show, and I'm spending a couple of million bucks this weekend just to celebrate my birthday. And he goes, everybody who owns a TV station is going to be there, and I want you to come and be in my beach house this weekend. Please come. Now, I barely had two nickels to rub together. I just started my company. So I go. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I hope this guy put me on the list because I don't even, I don't even have the money to get back. I, I, can't take, I can't get a hotel room because I, I took the last bus there, right? And uh, they said, oh, yeah, the boss has been looking for you. And uh, I go in, and he goes, Byron Allen, now this party can get started. Mm. Right? And he comes up to me. He was your me. sponsor. Right he, I, right. he walks up to me, and he goes, now, who here is not returning your phone calls? Ooh. It's back. FabFitFun is here. The winter box is on sale now. You can go out right now and get it. You don't have to go anywhere, actually. You can just go on FabFitFun.com, use my coupon code, which is Karen, and get, get started shopping for yourself or someone else. This is the season to really do that. And I love FabFitFun because I never disappoint. I always send these boxes to people I love, including my mom. And this winter, you can choose from many different items. They have uh, full-size items for women, premium beauty, lifestyle, fitness, home wellness products, all there. You just fill out a little questionnaire so that they can tailor make the box and it comes right to the doorstep of the person that you're sending it to each season. There's no hassle of shopping and worrying about, oh, is this going to, are they going to like it? They're going to love it. 
All right. And I promise you, if you go right now, because you got to go right now, it sells out really fast. And I remember the last box I got from my mom. She was overjoyed because I got some wine glasses for she and her husband and a bunch of other stuff, like a blanket for them to do a picnic. And there was a kimono in there. So she can get anyway, you can go check it out for yourself. Let me tell you, this is an amazing product, Fab Fit Fun. And if you go right now, forty nine ninety nine. The box is more than $200 in value. $49.99 at fabfitfun.com. Use my coupon code, This Is Karen. Seasonal subscription box, full size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products at fabfitfun.com. Coupon code, This Is Karen. $10 off your first box, and it retails $49.99, valued over $200. Check it out. I said, everybody? <laughs> Tell the truth. I said, Shame the devil. <laughs> just, uh, nobody. He goes, he goes, watch this, right? And he says, he says, hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. He's like, put down that guacamole and chips. He says, come over here, Fred. Right? And I'm like, I've never seen anybody talk to people who run TV stations. Like, these are really big, ego, powerful guys. And the guy sheepishly, you know, she, you know he just kind of comes over to Roger. He goes, yeah, Roger, yeah. He goes, hey. Do you want me to renew Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and Oprah with you so you can still be the number one television station in America and make all the money that I allow you to make? And he goes, hey, Roger, yeah, come on, buddy. Just kind of like, he goes, of course, of course, Roger. He goes, all right, do me a favor. Call Byron back, figure out what you guys can do together, and then I'm going to figure out how much I'm going to charge you. Mm. And then he went on stage, and he said, everybody, Welcome to my 60th. We've got the Four Tops. We've got the Sarducci brothers, Elton John, and you know, and all these wonderful people. And he said, Byron Allen is here, the hardest working, smartest man in show business. I love you, Byron Allen. Mm. Never had another problem. Ever. Mm. Ever. Boom. Game changer. That's the difference between a fan and a sponsor. That's right. And so you get these people. And he was just real. And he, you know, what happened was he was honest with me about his experience with Oprah. Because part of that conversation, he said, listen, I didn't realize how bad it was out there until I started selling Oprah. Hmm. Bad, how bad it was for black, black people. people in the, the racism. Yeah, yeah, for the yeah. for racism. And this is a rich white man just being honest and breaking it down. He said, I'm sitting in a TV station. And the dude said to me, I'm, he says, I'm pitching Oprah first year. And I'm like, this is the greatest show ever, and I'm selling it, right? And he said, this guy looked at me, he said, I'll never put that in mm. on my television station. So Roger said, I, I got up from the chair I was sitting in, and I threw it at the guy. Mm. <laughs> and Privilege. Said, right? Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Right? He and he in said, action. In, in action. And he said, and he goes, and I took it across the street. And I sold it to his competitor, mm. and we ran him out of town. He goes, so that was like new for me. And then he goes, so when I hear this is on the when I'm on the golf course, and I'm hearing these guys say this, he mm. goes, now basically I have the money and the power to shut that down. And he did. And it was really it was uh, it was eye opening. It was really something special. So if Mr. King were around today, would you've had this battle with Comcast and Charter? Oh yeah, this battle. Still? Yeah, yeah. That the, the, this battle is uh, this is the fourth and final chapter. This yeah. is what Coretta taught us. So let's, this is let's what break Car it down. this is what Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, the true queen of America, taught us. This is a real battle, and it's the fourth and final chapter. You know, look at the end of the day, 
in my opinion, this has never been about black. This has never been about white. This has been about money. They brought us here for money to build wealth. And the moment we were freed, then it was a competition for that money. Martin Luther King put it in his book where he said, you know, when we were fighting for civil rights, I had a, a lot of liberal whites leaning in. But when it came time to talk about economic inclusion, all of my liberal white supporters faded away. So that's what but, this but, is about. But we see when you do business with black people, you brought up Oprah, and not just black people, mm -hmm. but you make money. Yeah. Oprah made money for a lot of people. Yes. You made money for a lot of people. Yes. And so, you mentioned the Negro uh, yeah. Leagues, which was fiscally one of the economic drivers that incorporated not just the sport itself, but all of the economies that were built around the sport That's to right. the point where it was one of the most economically sustainable engines Regardless of race, so right. it, it's it, so yeah. So yeah. maybe that's the fear that they can't compete. But we'll get to that in a second. But why would you think you could compete when I built your wealth for scraps off your table? I wouldn't want to compete against mm. that person. Oh, so they know? Oh, mm. absolutely. There, there but, is no, but, there so is then, no. If, if you wait, there, hold on, about no, 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 there's nothing. <laughs> this is all based on fear because I watched you build the wealthiest country in the world with the scraps off my table. I wouldn't want to compete with that person. Especially when I've created a system of rules that ensure I never have to do so fairly. Let me be really clear. The system, the rules will be put in place so I am not competing right. with you. That's right. So we're now going to systematically structure it so that you're not competing with me. So basically, I'm going to impose economic genocide. And I can create segregation through economics. And what happened was talking to Coretta and really opened my eyes is taking my daughter to school. Chloe. And Chloe. And she was like two or three years old and she's sitting in the back seat and you start to see the world through mm. those little three-year-old eyes. And she's like, Daddy, I see another homeless. Daddy, I see another homeless. Daddy, I see another homeless. Well, aren't we going to stop and help them, Daddy? How come we're not stopping and helping them? And I literally, I got to one of the lights and I started crying because I realized this little girl turn that empathy button back on. And what was mm. it about me that I had turned that empathy button off and I was acting like I didn't see them? And I said, yeah, we are going to help them, but we're going to do it in a way where we really get it done. And I started thinking about it, and I just basically said, look, as black people, we're living in a matrix. We're positioned to fail. And now we have to change, and we have to decode it to position ourselves to succeed. And that was something I did... I've always made it a point to hang out with rich white people. You learn a lot from rich white people. <laughs> and I was hanging out with Roger, and one of the things we were, Roger and I were in Las Vegas at the um, George Foreman Michael Moore fight. And he bet 300 grand on Michael Moore. And because Michael Moore is, was a friend of ours from Detroit, and Michael was a friend of his. Mm, and, George and, Foreman. And George Foreman. And he was 40. And, but George Foreman <laughs> ended up, not, was losing the fight. George Foreman had Knocked lost the fight. The, mm, had lost the fight. And it was out, like yes. 15 seconds left in the last round, and Foreman leaned up against the ropes as if he was beaten and he didn't have anything left, and popped Foreman in the mouth, no. uh, Moore in the mouth, and took more and knocked more out. He did a rope-a-dope on him. He did what, to Moore what, what Ali Muhammad, did, yeah. Muhammad Ali did to George Foreman, right? So he ends up being the oldest heavyweight champion in the world. It was an unbelievable fight. So Roger, I ran into Roger. I didn't even know he was going to be there. I'm in Vegas. I ran into Roger. 
And he's like, oh, my God, I, I bet on our friend uh, Michael Moore. I'm down 300 grand. He sounded like uh, Rodney Dangerfield. He goes, come with me to get this money back. He's down 300 grand. So he goes to the crap tables, and he loses another 450, and he's down $750,000. This is one evening. One, this was in 40 minutes. Mm. Okay, he's down 750, and I'm like, I, it's not even my money, and my blood pressure's going up. <laughs> I'm tense <laughs> hearing about the memory. <laughs> so then he says to me, oh, this is ridiculous. He's down 750 grand, and he says to me, do me a favor. Come with me so I can go get this money back. I go, didn't you just say that when you were down three? <laughs> and so he walks over to the Baccarat table. And he's talking to all these pit bosses in these, in these tuxedos. And the next thing you know, I see him. He starts having a conversation. And then it escalates and it gets heated. Next thing I know, he's kind of screaming at me. Yeah, 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 I'm not going to be here all damn night. Just get rid of it. Right? Right? And he's screaming at him. And I'm, they start looking up at the cameras. I'm like, what is going on here? Next thing I know, they pick up the phone, boom, they hang it up, they go, okay, fine. And they start removing the sign off of the table. And the sign said, maximum bet, 15 grand. Wow. And he said, I go, what was that all about? He goes, ah, he goes, maximum bet, 15 grand. He goes, when I sit down, I want to make bets. I want to bet as much as I want. He goes, I'll be here all night trying to get back this money, 15,000 a hand. He goes, the first order of business, when you sit down, position yourself to succeed mm. so he sat there even if it means changing the rules change the rules in your favor mm. he's and i watched him t just like beat these guys down and say you're doing it my way so he sits down he starts making fifty thousand dollar bets boom next thing i know is a hundred thousand boom two hundred thousand bam quarter of a million dollar bets then he like hits me on the shoulder and goes what you don't believe in me how come you're not riding my bets meaning mm. bet what i bet Right, he didn't know I just started my company and I was trying to <laughs> pay my phone bill. Right. <laughs> trying to pay the my phone bill. I have no chair. Right, <laughs> and, and then so he's like, "No, bet the what I bet." I'm, he goes, "I'm hot. I can do this." Right, bam. Next thing I know, you know, he's and this guy comes up to me. He goes, "Your friend, you know, who, who is that guy?" I go, "Oh, he's in the TV business." I go, "Why?" He goes, "Well, you know, because it was packed in Vegas." He goes. There was this long line of guys to go into the bathroom, and he said, "Your friend walked up, up. He said he walked up and down the line and said, i 'I'm sorry, fellas, I got a piss like a racehorse.' And he gave everybody in line a couple of thousand bucks so he can cut. Mm. <laughs> he goes, so what does he do? I say he's in the TV business, right? So he goes, he goes. So Roger says, okay, I'm cashing out. So he goes, just give me the money. So he went from being 750 down to up three and a half million. So you're gonna brush your teeth twice a day anyway. You might as well use the best toothbrush on the market. And Quip toothbrush is not the best because of how it looks. It looks great, by the way. It's a sexy toothbrush. It's great to travel with. But it's the best toothbrush because it was literally designed by a dentist. Dentist and product designers. And they put a built-in timer in two-minute timer because that's how long the dentist recommends you're supposed to brush your teeth. And every Quip comes with New brush heads every three months delivered right to your door. Now they kicked it up a notch. They're even adding in floss with a pre-lined, pre-marked string to help you use just the right amount of floss and toothpaste refills along with the brush head every three months so your routine is always correct. Three million people are using Quip, including me. And starting at $25, you go to getquip.com slash KH right now, and your first refill is free, plus free shipping. Did I mention that? Nope. Getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash KH, and your first refill is free. 
three and that cash. So he says to me, ah, he goes, all right, do me a favor. Help me get this money back. We were at the MGM Grand. He goes, help me get this money back to the Las Vegas Hilton. It was because the, the cash. The cash. <laughs> this isn't a debit card. It's not like a, the it cash. Was, it was bags of like three and a half million in cash. And I said, Roger, everybody in this casino has watched you gamble for like three hours, and they're watching us now with three and a, we won't make it to the curb in a cab at three and a half million in cash. We're done. We'll just get taken out at the door. And he goes, oh, you're right. So he go, they called, he calls <laughs> the, no, he calls the Las Vegas Hilton and the Las Vegas Hilton sent literally a money truck and mm. four armed guards mm. to take the money back to the Las Vegas Hilton. So I learned early on, position yourself to mm. succeed. And you don't have to be super smart to be rich, right. apparently. Good moral. So when I wanted, what I wanted to do is I said, how are we being positioned to fail? And they, I always say, look, they're, they're killing us in the schoolroom, and they're killing us in the boardroom, and they're killing us in the courtroom long before you watch them choke us to death in the street, yeah. long before you see them shoot us to death with our arms up. They're positioning us to fail when you don't get a proper education. You're being positioned to fail when you don't get access to capital. Uh, that's not predatory. When you don't get access to deal flow in businesses, you're positioned to fail. And when you are getting laws that come your, lay, your way that just shut you down, that basically are just here to incarcerate you forever. So the real war is in that schoolroom, in that boardroom, and in that courtroom. And I just said, basically, that's, that's what's happening. That's how we're positioned. And I always said, it's the four Ds. First, they dismiss us. And then after you get a little upset about being dismissed, they discredit you. And then after they discredit you, you get really angry about that. Then they're able to move on to that third D. They demonize you. And then they move on to that fourth and inevitable D so they can be right with their so-called Christian selves. They destroy you. So they just go through that pattern. They perfected it with women. You know, dismiss them, discredit them, demonize them, destroy them. Oh, she's a witch. Mm. Burn her at the stake. So... That's what I'm seeing, and that's what I'm witnessing. Like, okay, we're being positioned, and Dr. King taught us that, that we need to have economic inclusion, or basically you're going to have segregation segregation through economics, and that's just economic genocide right. at its worst. 2015, 2016, you decide to file this lawsuit, and you use the Civil Rights Act of 1866 Yes. Um, against Comcast and Charter. Give me the, the history behind why them, there, then, now, why? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, listen, um, I supported uh, Senator Barack Obama uh, when he had very cheap suits. <laughs> and, uh, Let's not be shady, Byron Allen. I love, Don't I'm, be I'm, mad because you didn't get an invite to the White House. No, no, I'm joking. I mean, I, I loved him. I love, you know, so I, I, I really, you know, uh, supported him as an unknown senator. And when he became president, I was obviously extremely proud. And uh, his administration came to me and said, hey, these corporations are trying to get bigger and they want to be much bigger. And we want to know, you know, Comcast is trying to buy this and charter. Whatever. These folks are trying to buy whatever. We want to know, are they good corporate citizens? And I, once again, do you want the real answer or the Hollywood answer? Mm. I said, we want the real answer. I said, the answer is not no, it's hell no. They're not good corporate citizens. And they say, why do you say that? I say, well, as, as an industry, they spend 70 billion a year licensing cable networks. 
So when you pay your cable bill, a buck goes to Lifetime. Eight bucks goes to ESPN. You know, another dollar goes to this cable network, whatever it might be, right? A&E. So I said out of $70 billion in payout, black folks, we get zero, practically literally nothing. And I said, we don't have economic inclusion. You know, you have Spanish language networks where the people who own them can't even speak Spanish. So they don't own their networks. Ooh. And so, you know, I said that, you know, you, you don't have people from the gay community owning their networks or Asian people owning their networks. And if we don't own our networks, then we don't really have a seat at the table. And we are, we, our voices aren't heard. Our voices aren't widely distributed. And so, therefore, we're not really a part of the democracy. And we're not getting any economic inclusion. And that's what the numbers say. Out of $70 billion, Negroes get zero. So that's why I say that. And they say, well, we've heard that before. But everybody's afraid to speak out. Everybody's afraid of repercussions. We'll, I said, well, I'm not afraid to speak out. I'm a comedian. That's what we do. We speak out. We tell the truth. What you do with the truth, that's on you. But at least you can say, I told you the truth. Right. So I will speak out. But I'm not going to use the FCC. Because I think the FCC is nothing but a bunch of mall cops. They're not going to do anything. So I said, I'm going to do, I'm going to file a federal lawsuit. And that way you have to really deal with me. And this is how I decided to deal with the four Ds. If I file a federal lawsuit, you can't dis dismiss me. Hmm. Right? So if with a federal lawsuit, you can't discredit me. I'm, I'm using your process. You can't demonize me. I'm peaceful. I'm just saying we have a dispute. We can't resolve it. Let's go to a judge and a jury. You know, it's like, it's just a dispute. And you can't destroy me. Because even if you actually destroy me, the case will live forever. Hmm. So that was the way I decided to decode that matrix of the four Ds. I'm going to use your system. And I'm going to go through your process so you can't dismiss me, discredit me, demonize me, and destroy me. Were you using the FCC process at the same time? No, or no, no I wouldn't even talk legal. to the FCC. Right. So I would not. Legal right. I said, I, pure, I said, I'm not even going to talk to you guys. Goodbye. Stage left. See you later. Hmm. Okay, we're going to go to the federal court. So we go downtown. Comcast, twenty billion dollars. Charter, ten billion dollars. And we had a judge, um, African American judge. For whatever reason, he never met with us. He never met with the plaintiff. The mm -hmm. defendant never talked to us. I'm like, hey, man, this is a complicated. No meeting in chambers? No discussion? Zero. I never, and, and never the, put my eyes. Mm -hmm. Nothing. He never mm -hmm. met with any of us. And he wrote a two-page, I'm sorry, a two-paragraph dismissal twice. He dismissed mm -hmm. it. I'm like, brother, this is a complicated case. I created it, and I don't understand it sometimes. <laughs> it's going to so, need more than your two paragraphs. <laughs> it's going to need, right? So that was charter. So it got dismissed. I'm like, okay, brother, I got you, right? So then we had Judge Wu. Uh, Asian American judge, and he met with us a number of times, and he was clear, focused. Comcast and Charter, the number one, number two cable provider in America, was downtown, first using as their defense, and you're an attorney, right? Mm -hmm. Using, and I love this, and thank you for being here. I love sitting with you. So used as their defense, get your mind ready for this one, the Hurley case. So we're sitting there going, you guys are using the Hurley case because everything in law is, is precedent, right? We're going to use the Hurley case? So these clowns are sitting there going, yeah, the Hurley case. So I go, what the hell is the Hurley case? <laughs> so the Hurley case was there were some parade organizers in Boston. This went all the way to the Supreme Court. There were some parade organizers in Boston who said, hey, gay people, 
you can't be in our parade, right? A group of gay people tried to be in a parade in Boston. Parade organizers said, gay people cannot be in our parade. So, rightfully so, the gay community sued them. Sued them. This thing goes all the way to the Supreme Court, right? And unfortunately, there was a miscarriage of justice. And they ruled in favor of the, of the parade, parade organizers. Mm -hmm. And the parade organizers used the First Amendment. And they said, having gay people in our parade infringes on our First Amendment rights. And it changes our freedom of expression. And the Supreme Court ruled in their favor and allowed them to discriminate against gay people, which kind of gave the basis for, I don't have to make a cake for you. Right. So, so this is where we see our 14th Amendment right to due process to equal treatment under the law being subjected to the white right, and I'm saying white because it's a, there's a racialized distribution of rights as we think about it, to freedom of expression. Yes. And if my expression is a, an opposition to your humanity, my First Amendment right to express that Supersedes trumps that. your 14th right. Amendment right I to saw equal... What you did with yeah. Amen, yeah. sister. Yeah. So then he so they go and they try, and I said, and this, and like, I felt like I was in the twilight zone. Mm. Is the, am I watching the number one and number two cable operator in America who's supposed to be providing broadband and services to America? sitting here using the First Amendment to discriminate? And then I heard the greatest words ever. Judge Wu said, are you standing here trying to use the First Amendment <laughs> to, to say that that's a pathway to discriminate against people? Because they were basically saying, you know what you did to gay people? Supersize that and, and use that on people. all on black people and all Everybody minorities. Else. And so Judge Wu was like, no, get out of here with that. So then when they didn't get anywhere with that, after doing that, I couldn't believe that. I said, guys, you shouldn't be using that law. You shouldn't be celebrating. it's bad law. It's bad law. <laughs> it's you shouldn't be celebrating. It's a bad ruling. It's a bad ruling, Comcast and Charter, Brian Roberts and David Cohen. You shouldn't be using that law. You should be denouncing that decision. So shame on you as we pay you billions of dollars and you are celebrating something and trying to supersize it. So back up. Why wouldn't they want to license your your company's channels? Well, okay, so that's a that's a whole economic thing, but I want to no, go No, but just you use you're using the Civil Rights uh, Act, Act, Act of 1866 saying so, it's a racial issue, yes, not a money issue. That's what I said. So I said, look, on the Civil Rights Act of 1866. So here's what that what we said here. This law was put on the books in the year of 1866. The slaves were freed in December of 1865. So instead of what some historians believe, instead of us getting reciprocity, 40 acres and a mule, we got this law. And this law said that you will have a fair pathway in contracting. And it was especially for all minorities. And at that point, it was mainly the newly freed slaves. So you will have a pathway in economic inclusion in contracting, commercial contracting, and government contracting. And that was important because at that time you had formerly enslaved people who, yes. if you if you can read, and if you can understand the legal which was illegal, into a, before, which was illegal before that, um, if you can read, if you can contract effectively, which means you understand the powers of negotiation, there is an equality in the parties who are contracting. Because if I'm a former slave and you are a former slave owner, there's an imbalance in power there. So my ability to say, hey, I need to now get a job that pays me because I am formerly enslaved, I am now free, I now need work, I need to enter into a contract. What was happening was black people were being 
ultimately manipulated by the former owners who owned the land, who owned their ability to have access to the land because black people didn't get reparations, former slave owners did. And so if you're controlling who has access to the land in an agrarian society where we, our wealth and our ability to sustain ourselves is tied to our ability to have connection to the land, I don't own land. I need to go and contract with this person who does, who just so happens to be completely inclined to oppress me the way they did three days ago when I was still enslaved. There it is. So if you don't have these federal laws in place that are going to protect black people during this time, that's how you get sharecropping. That's how you get convict leasing. That's how you get all of these entrees into what we now know as a prison industrial complex because white people were committed to holding on to the slave-master relationship even if it needed a different name and a different structure. There it is. Yeah. You nailed it. And that yeah. law, that's our reciprocity. Right. That law, that's the pathway. That Instead of the 40 acres and a mule... You, Karen, you got this law. Now go get it. Right. right? With these judges With these ju- who see you as not having any rights that the white man is bound to respect. Right. And there okay. it is. Right. And now you have, so with, what Comcast did, what they said is, check it out. Uh, in order, see, this is what they did. They went to, they took us to, when we, so we lost twice in on Comcast, but we won on Charter. Ninth, Char- the ninth, that was the ninth U.S. No, Charter? that was downtown. So okay. Charter was upset that we won. So they said, we're going to file an interlocutory appeal, which is basically, we're going to appeal this right now. And Judge Wu said, hey, why not? Eventually, this is going to go to the Supreme Court. Mm. And I said, are you kidding me? He goes, yeah. Mm. He says, well, Byron Allen's not going to stand down, and Comcast and Charter is not going to stand down. I have two well-funded, you know, in, uh, I have three well-funded entities are not going to let up, and they're going to fight to the bitter end, and we're going to end up in the Supreme Court. And he said that. So he said, go ahead and go to the, go to the Ninth Circuit. So I said, well, if Charter's going to take me to the Ninth Circuit, I'm going to take Comcast (laughs) to the Ninth Circuit, and we're going to get on the happy bus, and we're all going to go down to the Ninth Circuit, and we're going to get this done. So we go to the Ninth Circuit, and I hire an amazing lawyer, and he goes in there, and he whips it out, and we made history. The Ninth Circuit ruled in In our favor favor Mm -hmm. twice. Mm -hmm. They upheld the Charter decision and reversed the Comcast decision, and they said, No, you cannot use the First Amendment as a pathway to discriminate. And no, we don't think you should use a higher standard for the Civil Rights Act of 1866. So here's what Charter and Comcast said. In order for Karen to use this law, she must prove that the 100 percent sole reason we discriminated against Karen is that she's black. That's mm. the but for but stand. But for causation. But, but for causation. Ooh. So mm. you know what that's about. Yeah. So you need to prove. So it could be, I could say to your face, you know what, Karen, 99% of the reason I'm, I'm discriminating against you <laughs> is because, you, because you're black. But 1% because you have on tennis shoes. And with that, you can't even use the law to bring forth a lawsuit. So the Ninth Circuit said, okay, who's your crack dealer? That's ridiculous. Okay, that's ridiculous. Okay, it's not the but for causation. It's the motivating factor. Mm. If any reason, if it's 5%, 10%, 20% of the reason you discriminated against Karen because she's black, she can use the law and bring it forward. Mm. Okay, so that's what the Ninth Circuit said. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court said, let's look at this. Maybe we will go with the but for 100%. That way, minorities can't use it. And that's minorities writ large, and that, not just black people. That's not, it's right. all minorities right. in America, right? right? Because the way the, it's written, this law is for all non-white people, excluding Native Americans who have their own okay. separate mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. So it's all minorities, right? So here's what Comcast did. 
Comcast went to Donald Trump's Department of Justice and said, give us an amicus brief. Mm. And they gave them one. And I went, are you kidding me? Mm. Donald mm, Trump's mm, mm. Am- you know, Department of Justice? Where wrote- the Civil Rights Division sits. <laughs> where, the, where, where the Civil Rights Division oh, Where right. the Civil Rights Division sits. Right. They write an amicus brief, of a, a report, basically. A, a, it's a friend of the court saying, I agree with Charter. Roll those Negroes back to 1865. Get those Negroes back into the onto the plantation, right? Boom. So that's the amicus brief. I go, are you kidding me? Mm. I spent two weeks on the phone. I lost my voice. I call, I'm calling every reporter. Then these guys go back, and they not only say, thanks for the amicus brief, they did something we've never seen before, ever. They said, you know what? We have 30 minutes, Comcast. Comcast mm. says, we have 30 minutes in front of the nine justices in the Supreme Court, 30 minutes. And Byron has 30 minutes in front of the nine justices, right? But hey, Donald Trump, DOJ, we wanna give you 10 of our 30 minutes. That is unprecedented. You do not share your time to argue your case. Donald Trump, bring your DOJ into the United States Supreme Mm. Court, stand Mm. by Mm -hmm. Comcast's side, and argue against the civil rights for every American in America. Mm. So let's back up for a second. I mean, get your Which they said, okay, sure. (laughs) And and so now we're standing in the Supreme Court next Mm. week and standing there against Comcast and Donald Trump's Trump's DOJ and Donald Trump's Supreme Court, Donald Trump era. And what they're doing is is they just want to roll us back. So who did they get an amicus brief from? They got an amicus brief from Donald Trump, and they got one from the Chamber of Commerce. Why the Mm. Chamber of Commerce? So now what happens is Karen says, I got fired, and I got Mm. fired because I'm black. Well, now you can't get a lawyer on contingency. Because the lawyer is going to say, Karen, That's right. I can't take your your case on contingency because it's too hard to prove that you got fired 100% because you're black. you're black. And because of that, I can't hold them accountable. So, Which means they, I'm not going to get paid at the end of this right. case. You're right. not going to get paid at the right. end of this case. So now, now they're able to discriminate against you. You don't have a pathway to hold them accountable. Right. And I say no, three words. Super Welcome lawsuit. to hell. Yeah. Welcome but, to hell. So be, that's Before the lawsuit, though, yeah. Comcast went to NAACP, mm. National Action Network, Urban League. Urban League. Urban League, right? And I named them in the lawsuit. I know, I know. And you named them individually as defendants. Yes, defendants. I said, because I said, you guys are giving them racial cover. And you saying these are good white folks when they're not doing good white folks business with us. And that doesn't work. Let me tell you when they're good white folks, when they're doing good business with us. Mm. So what you didn't do is you didn't tell the people because I said to him, why are you doing a memorandum of understanding on behalf of black people? You didn't tell black people you got a million dollar donation and oh. then negotiated with them. Did they? Oh, they check. It's public. Okay. Go see right. how much so, money. Let me ask you a question. Oh. Let me ask you a question. Hmm? Did you ask Comcast and Charter to do business? Absolutely. And they said no. They said no. As a matter of fact, we recently asked Charter. We asked Charter to sit down with us to resolve this case, and Charter told my government, their government relations person told my government relations person, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Wow. Okay. Charter. So they rather yeah, they, go to know, the Supreme Court. You know what? This is this, something. You so know, I think there's something more here. Oh yes. I mean, oh yes. Oh, there's, there's more oh, yes. here. Do you want to know what's here? This is white supremacy at at its worst. Institutionalized white. 
institutionalized racism. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me how, how to do it. How dare you come with your buddy? How dare you have so much money? I'm going to control <laughs> your behavior. <laughs> right. And I, I said, look, guys, I burned my knee pads long ago. This oh, right? You I used said, to have them. Uh, I, that's, you I burned, tell us I, one? Yeah, I said, look, guys, this. You know what? You're not gonna like this. The, bottom line, this is not an ask. This is a take. Mm. This is a take. This is not an ask because I've been asking and I've been working and I've been polite and you have conveniently tried to right. dismiss me and discredit me and demonize me and you've been trying to destroy me. So mm -hmm. I had to crack the code and I said, here we are now in the Supreme Court. But the point I really want to make is that they're wrong. See, what they want to do is they want to be able to manipulate you. They want to be able to crush you. There is no scenario in which they should be challenging your civil rights. Comcast even made a racist offer. Their racist offer was, Byron, you drop the lawsuit and we might sit with you. Oh, this is like your 400000 deal that was on the table. Right. If you, if you 400000 dollars $400, If you sold, said, oh, okay, uh, we, been there, done that. Been there, done that. <laughs> and I said, you know what? That's a racist offer. Mm. What you're saying to me is I think you're a monkey. You're mm. nothing more than a monkey. Now, come get this banana. And you yeah. know why it's racist? Because the way you settle lawsuits with white people, you sit in a room, right. you work it out, right. you put settle it, table, and you right. put everything down, everybody signs it, and then everybody withdraws their lawsuit. Right. But that's not how you're treating me as a mm. black person because you look at me as a monkey and you say, come get this banana, you little monkey. That's a racist offer. Mm. It's so institutionalized in you. You don't even understand how racist yeah. you are. Mm. Look at how you approach us in resolving lawsuits when you resolve thousands of lawsuits without doing that. We have to go to a break. Mm. Okay. You're still here. Okay. All right. I'm not, I'm not gonna let you. Uh, okay. No problem. <laughs> all right. I don't mean to get so excited, but no, I'm passionate right. about this. That's why I had to have you here on the phone. It's like there's no word no. in edgewise. You know that. No, no, about no. You. No, I'm you sorry. I'm just. No, wanna, all right. I love you. I love you too, baby. But right. I just, I just want people to okay. know what's at stake. Got Larie Favors. Hey, hey. That's right. Uh, legal counsel for the Center of Law and Social Justice. Over I love there, it. Evers. All right. You wanted to give a shout out before we went to break. Yeah, Senator, uh, uh, Senator Kamala Harris. She hmm. generated a, a an amicus brief on our behalf. And she got Senator Booker to sign it and okay. Senator Bloomingfall and Senator Wyden and eight members of the Congressional Black Caucus, eight of the 55. You know, we have 55 members of the Congressional Black Caucus. <laughs> so you're like, what's up with the rest of them? Uh, that we, we, was my uh, next question. What so, happened to them? The, the other the, 50? The other 47? Yeah. You with know, the, the, chairwoman, <laughs> the chairwoman of the Congressional Black Caucus, Karen Bass, thank you, uh, Congresswoman Bass, she signed it. And she emailed all the members twice hmm. and said, hey, you need to pay attention so to this why, and get it so signed. Why do you? So say that again. Kamala Harris did what now? Kamala Harris. She generated. Senator Kamala Senator Harris. Senator Ka okay. Kamala Harris. She generated the, the, the congressional brief. And she that's got huge. She, that's right. And she she did a phenomenal job. And Cory Booker and Blumenthal and White and thank you. And the eight members of the Congressional Black Caucus. Yes, it's very disappointing that there are 55 members. I'm of, concerned about that. I'm, I'm extremely concerned. Dude, I even said to, to, to Congresswoman Bass, I said, I expect every member of the Congressional Black Caucus to sign that brief that's very curious. and she no, no, no. said and she said to me that's not going to happen and i said what i said first of all i just said tell all those negroes whoever do not sign it i byron allen byron Allen. i'm going to hold them accountable mm. personally see i own the griot mm. 
I own the grill, so I said, here's what I do. I don't know, just own the Weather Channel because if I, and if I feel it's important that we have our own publishing, oh, so, we right. can, so, that's right. so we can, that's so we can, we can control our narrative. I right. said, I'm going to publish everybody who signed it and everybody who didn't, mm-hmm. and I'm going to tell Black America the most important thing we can do is have a calculator and hold people accountable. Mm. Know the numbers, know your worth, and hold people accountable. Call up your representatives and say, have you lost your crackhead mind not signing that amicus brief to protect my civil rights? You have every right to do that. Mm. You do you have think every... it's personal, Byron Allen? No, I don't think it's personal. Or allegiances because yeah, of the yeah, NAACP. Because yeah, yeah. if you sign it, yeah, now look, you're saying I'm yeah, not yeah, with yeah. the NAACP. No, 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 no. By the way, I don't have a gripe with the NAACP. No, I know, but or even Al Sharpton. I don't have a problem with Al Sharpton. I don't have a problem with any of those, anybody. But you know, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is you got to hold folks accountable. And I, here's what's happening. David Cohen is a very smart guy. And he works for uh, for Comcast, and he's their chief legal officer, whatever, government affairs guy, whatever. He gets paid $14.1 million a year to make sure there are no problems with civil rights organizations and, and mm. people in government. And he has a budget of $125 million a year. So he's able to make donations and get mm. people into office, and people are, are scared. They're still on the plantation. They're on the Comcast plantation. They're afraid to speak up. So what you got to do is say, hey, I don't care about your donations. You're going to speak up and tell Comcast what time of day it is. If you're going to try and roll Negroes back to 1865, we're going to roll you back. So Comcast has a lobby. Oh, big time. Mm -hmm. $125 million a year budget. Mm. Let's take some calls. Yeah. Because people have been holding on. Frank in Virginia, you got a minute. (laughs) Hey, welcome. Thank you very much, Karen. Uh, 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 I'm just blown away by the story. And by encouraged by the fight, um, I uh, also would like to say uh, thank you for just bringing uh, more arguments like this to light, so that we can all be uh, aware as we approach our elected representatives. And uh, that uh, I, I do miss um, cousin Phil, but I'm also enjoying Marie. And uh, y'all keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And we're in this together. I mean, you know, once this what happened was the truth of the matter is the Supreme Court said, hey, we're not going to look at Byron Allen's case and Byron Allen's dispute with Comcast. We agree with the Ninth Circuit, but we are going to use this opportunity to maybe eviscerate, destroy this civil rights statute. That's really scary. So wow. that's really wow. scary. So African Especially now as the court is with this court, as with the, this court, court, with this court, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, the, these people who have there it is. Yeah. There yeah. because listen, I've always said the president of the United States is nothing more than temporary hired help mm. making permanent decisions through the Supreme yeah. Court. So you got to really stay on top yeah. of that. Why right. couldn't people understand that in 2016? Well, that was one of the things I was really upset with uh, with o- Obama about. Like Obama, I'm sorry. You blame so- him for that? Well, you, All right, well, let's talk about it when, when we Scalia, come back. When Scalia died in February, you need to replace his butt the day after. Immediately. Right. He, I mean, come on, man. You left office in January. Like, dude, you should have fought and filled that seat. I guess he thought Hillary was going to win. He was leaving it for Hillary. But no, you you should have filled that seat. And yeah, it would have been great if you put a black woman up there. Because then you have people who are going to organize, who are going to fight for her, who are going to be. Merrick Garland, God bless you, phenomenal. However, does not generate the same level of community investment and support. There it is. He should have filled that seat in February. And now we got stuck.